0: slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, I'm Madame Mayhem, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
1: This is Dario Arena from Black Label Society, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Molson Canadian presents... Heavy Montreal.
2: August 7th, 8th, and 9th. Outdoors at Parc Jean Trapeau. Featuring Slipknot, Faith No More, Corn, and Alexis on Fire. Three full days of rock and metal with Lamb of God, Iggy Pop, No FX, Lita Ford, and many more. Festival passes on sale now. For the full festival lineup, visit Heavymontreal.com, produced by avenco Hey, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. We are sponsored by Heavy Montreal, the great three-day festival that will be going on in Montreal this summer. I will be there for all three days. A lot of great bands playing Slipknot, Lamb of God, Iggy Pop will be there, Fozzy with my buddy Rich Ward on guitar. So many great bands, Lita Ford, Testament, you name it. The list goes on and on. We have a lot of great guitar players on the show today, and one new up-and-coming rocker chick we're going to talk to. We got Neil Sean, we have Dario from Black Label Society, we have Madam Mayhem, who I'm going to introduce you guys to, and another great, our co-host on today's episode, Metal Mike. How are you, man?
3: Hey, Mark. I'm doing good, man. Very happy to, uh, to rock this one with you. Cool. yeah
2: it's great to have you in the co-host seat yeah. here tonight and uh, i want to talk to you about what you're up to but let's let's start with with neil sean a lot of people might not consider him like a, a metal guitar player but he kind of is in some ways right i mean he's he played on the dio stars song he's jammed with with hagar and, and i mean some of those journey leads and songs are just incredible as a, a guitar player i'm sure you can attest to that right
3: yeah, man, I mean, he's got, he's definitely like, I don't know if it's the right word, but he infiltrated the, the metal world, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember even in like local bands, when, when I was like, you know, super young and stuff, we used to do like Journey songs f- for fun, and I used to play those lead lead guitar solos because they were like so melodic.
2: Yeah, right.
3: Um, and I think that's the cool thing about a lot of the, the the music from that era, not to generalize anything, but you know, there was such a killer melody solo. So a lot of heavy metal musicians took uh, definitely a page out of Neil's book, you know? Yeah and, and um and you know, where 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 do you draw the line? You know, it was just great melodic hard rock, you know, and then some of the stuff that Neil that Neil did with like a hard line and stuff, I mean, you know, for when when those when those records were released, I mean, I listened to it as much as I listened to her Ozzy record. You know, it was all
4: good.
2: Yeah, right on. And Metal Mike, Class Check, you've done so much great work with Halford, Sebastian Bach, Payne Museum. The list goes on and on. Um, I want to talk to you about some of the stuff you're up to nowadays, and one album that just rocked my world last year, one of the my favorite metal records of, of 2014, Mike LaPont's Silent Assassins, and you did a lot of the guitar playing, or m- most of the guitar playing, how much of the guitar playing, did you play in every song?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know what, I um, I think Mike LaPont, actually, he played um, most of the rhythm guitars on that record, he played it himself, um, oh, I don't well. know he was that good of a rhythm guitar player, to be honest. Yeah. And then me and, and uh Mike Romeo, of course, from Symphony X was split uh we split the leads pretty much fifty fifty and I added things here and there f- for the rhythms and just different like ear candy stuff, so well
2: it sounds great man, I and mean, a lot of great songs on there too, and this one I wanna get into right now. I think I'm pronouncing it right because this is kinda how Alan sings it. Ragnarok Ragnarok is that (laughs) great catchy catchy song so much fun let's check this out this is Alan Tecchio on on vocals we got Metal Mike on guitar on this along with uh, Mike LaPon from Symphony X and Michael Romeo also on guitar right that's right cool let's check it out now on Talking Metal and we will come back and talk with Metal Mike and uh, coming up real soon my exclusive interview with Neil Sean of Journey Just heard was a song off of Mike upon silent assassins record featuring metal. Mike Kloschek on guitar and some great leads on this record by you metal Mike. And before we get into the Neil Sean record, I want to touch upon something that I think is really cool. Cause my kids are now four and six and I'm starting to get them into music and they're starting to go to music classes. And it's, it's kind of cool that, that nowadays you can direct kids towards rock music classes like when i was a kid we didn't really have stuff like this and i know you've been involved with giving clinics and seminars and doing stuff at different schools of rock and stuff in, in, here in north jersey but you got this really cool thing coming up this summer it's the second time you're doing it and it's a, a metal heroes summer camp can you explain what this is all about and who it's for
3: yeah sure um you know this I don't want. I'm not sure if I, I was going to call it the need for it because I think the the need for it was kind of always, always there. But um, I, I I thought how cool would it be to do a heavy metal camp for kids, you know, um, and initially I did. Uh, first two years with School of Rock. We did a camp called uh, Metal in the Mayhem, uh Mayhem in the Mountains. And then I decided uh to kind of branch off and, and do Metal Heroes. And I, and I I think it's uh I think it's absolutely incredible opportunity for the kids to get first hand knowledge from from metal guys. You know? Um and I, and I think I think this is the the, the, the great thing about the, the internet and, 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 and rockers and rock stars being a little more accessible is that you get to get a lot of info from them directly. I mean, before we would write, write letters to fan clubs and we'll get a, right. We'll right, get a right. sign eight yeah. by 10 if we're lucky. And that was pretty much it. Um, so things are slightly a little different right now. Um, and I decided that it would be a great time to embrace it, man. So we're, do, we're doing this camp and this is second year. And um, it's a camp for metalheads on all rock instruments um, between the ages of twelve and nineteen, and we we'll get together so that uh, we we'll get together in August, August twenty fourth to twenty eighth, and we are at the Full Moon Resort in Big Indian, New York, which is like right up by um, in the Catskill Mountains. It's not very far from New Jersey or New York. No,
2: not very far at all.
3: Um, now, a lot of bands do their camps. They're like Winery Dogs and Allman Brothers and uh, all, these, all, all, these, all these different uh, groups. And, yeah, it's killer, man. Second year, and the camp is growing, and we're getting more sponsors to it. Um, uh, some companies are sending kids on scholarships. So it's wonderful, man. I'm, I'm really, really excited. Because not only it's a great opportunity to preserve the metal for the next generation, it's always it's a great opportunity to sort of get one-on-one with the kids and, 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 and teach them correctly, unfiltered, and do it right.
2: Right on. And and it's not just you. I mean, you have a, a lot of different instructors involved with it. Is that correct?
3: Yeah. So so I, I handpick um, different instructors on on different instruments, and then we would have a guest come in and do some sort of a presentation so we talked about mike lapont before so mike's going to come in and do a base clinic meet and greet with the kids um it's killer we we have um old-time friend uh steve seragno from drop cards he's gonna he's gonna come in and talk about kid to kids about how to kind of market your own music and
2: wow okay so it's it's beyond just music theory and chops and stuff like that this yeah. is this goes beyond that which is good because you need to know that other stuff
3: yeah i really wanted to give it more of a comprehensive look into a, a life of over of a, of a heavy metal musician versus giving them the the, the, the latest licks and uh, as a matter of fact we're also we'll also have a motivational segment by my friend cj the metal motivator cool yeah, CJ is, is, is awesome. So we're basically put on PA and CJ does a special presentation for the kids uh, to keep them uh, motivated and, and um, you know, it's, it's kind of like all in. And basically, put it this way, basically when I was growing up as a metal guitar player, if I could draw a camp on a piece of paper of what I wanted to go, like this is, yeah. you know. Wow.
2: Cool. And where is the best place? People can find out about it online. Is there a website, a website set up?
3: Yeah, it's very simple. Just just go to MetalHeroesAcademy.com. Okay. And um, all the links are there. And, um, you know, we're still we're still taking uh, the the final sign-ups. And eventually what's going to happen very soon is we are going to cast songs. And all the kids will learn the songs so we could start rehearsing them at the camp and... Um, I want to kind of teach him about a stage performance aspect too, versus teaching everybody every note in the song,
2: yeah, um, cool
3: week long yeah, man so it's gonna it's gonna be awesome,
2: wow, and do you feel confident that the younger generation out there, like kids you're having at this camp, are gonna carry the torch and and keep things going for not just metal but rock in general, because we hear a lot of stuff in the press like, oh, rock is dying and and there are signs that certain Parts of rock might might not be what they once were, uh, and when you know I go to a show, there's some shows I go to, I see a lot of young kids. Other shows I go to, it's all guys, you know, older guys, you know. So, what's your opinion? Do you feel that the youth will pick up this torch and carry it on?
3: Well, I mean, I, I think I, I think a, the the youth has one type of. Ener- energy, which which I think is really cool, and, and that energy is more of a rebellion, you know, and you always want to rebel yeah. against... You look at your parents, which are sort of like getting back into the rut of life, and you want to rebel against all that, because you have the youthful energy. And that's what rock music is. It's rock music, although in some ways it's very... Um, traditional um rock 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 and roll is about rebelling against the establishment so i think that as long as those ideals are alive like rock music will always be alive you know yeah cool. but, you know the business side of it has been changing fairly drastically for it um but that doesn't mean that there's less talent as a matter of fact i think more kids get a chance to get heard now than before um, so there's just as many talented kids as as before, you know. Yeah. So um, so in some ways, when I capture that through the uh, Metal Heroes Academy and camps and clinics and workshops, um, that 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 makes everything go really well because you know there's just as many there are just as many people wanting to be rock stars as there were in 1982.
2: <laughs> really? Okay. Well, that's good to hear. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Wow. Cool. So, Mike, hang out with me here for the rest of the episode. And speaking of of rock stars, this guy's a massive rock star. Neil Sean. I mean, some of these Journey songs have become, you know, the soundtrack to to our our lives, really, just seeping their way through, through radio, TV shows. I mean, even The Sopranos, you know, ended with Don't Stop Believing. And that's this guy, Neil Sean. Right now, we're going to get into some classic Journey, followed by my brief interview with Neil Sean. It was supposed to be 20 minutes and it got cut short. I didn't even get to the journey questions. At one point I say, well, I'm going to talk to you all about journey, but then the people at Guitar Center where we were doing the interview ended up cutting it short. Still a good 13 minutes. The the mic wasn't on properly, so it, you'll hear it from the beginning, but the first minute of audio is a little a little bad, guys, so just uh, know that it, it kicks in and it sounds great at, at 60 seconds into the interview. And uh, Neil was in town celebrating Les Paul's 100th birthday. Uh, I will mention that he talks about... Two drummers during the interview, Dean and Omar, since the interview was recorded, it's been announced that Omar is actually taking over for Dean in Journey for the upcoming tour. And again, yeah, just I I say, let's talk. We're going to talk about classic Journey songs and then it never ends up happening. And that's simply because the interview was cut off. Uh, So I didn't get to talk to him about Journey. I didn't get to talk to him about working with Sammy Hagar. I didn't get to talk to him about being involved with Ronnie James Dio's Hear in Aid project. Uh, but it's still a good brief interview so let's get into it right now with a little classic journey I'm Mark Striegel and we are thrilled to have a man who has sold over 80 million records with his band Journey and probably many million more when you add in everything else you've done. Neil Sean. Neil, thanks so much for hanging out here with us at Guitar Center. It's a thrill to meet you and speak with you. How are you?
5: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
2: And today is the 100th birthday of the great late Les Paul. What does Les mean to you personally and professionally? Uh, I believe you
5: knew him, right? I uh, Yeah, I had the opportunity of uh, meeting Les here in New York, uh, you know, at the Iridium. I was here in, uh, I believe in 2000, doing a New Journey record, and we were doing it in New York, and so we went down to the Iridium, and uh, he just kind of called me on stage, and I picked up an ax that was less Les Paul that he had sitting on stage, and. We started playing and i guess he liked what he heard from me and we became friends after that and um actually gave me that guitar that night uh, wow. and um les was a great guy you know he just was a, a yeah, great I'm human sure. being and yeah. beyond you know an amazing guitar player and, and somebody For that him. was just uh, created everything before anybody could even think of it I mean, this many years later, they're coming out with pedals that are are doing what he was doing way back then with the octave above guitar, with him slowing down the tape and then playing it slower and then speeding it up. It sounded like a whammy pedal, you know, stuck in an octave above. And it's just quite amazing, uh, you know, his imagination, where it took him and what he was able and capable of doing, you know, with multi-tracking before Beatles or anybody
2: yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and imagination I mean that's just a Any key electric, word yeah
5: the electric guitar you know I mean yeah. everybody should think now anybody that plugs into an amplifier if it wasn't for less there would be no amp yeah and chord you know
2: you also have designed your own guitar the beautiful Paul Reed Smith guitar which has been out a number of years now right
5: I've been working on uh, I have three models with Paul even though his website is not up to date we're gonna kick his ass mm-hmm. <laughs> After he hears this, anyway. So this this is uh, an NS fourteen, which is a semi hollow body, uh, solid, you know, underneath the middle, right under the pickups and the bridge, and then the rest of it is hollow. I have a NS fifteen, which is a fifteen inch body. Uh, This is the fourteen model that goes under that, and now there's a solid body thirteen inch single cut with a new neck joint. Uh, very similar to the one that I designed. It was on my old Les Paul.
2: Interesting. And the, the hollow body version, which we're looking at here, I mean, it's, it's really a different, unique thing to put a Floyd on a hollow body, right? It, it,
5: you know, um, I, I try all kinds of different things. I tried a regular stock wraparound bridge, and I found that the Floyd on the bigger body and these sounded better. To myself, it was a little more stout. And I love the fact with the Floyd, whether you're going to use the bar or not, I love that it's locked down uh, for how many live performances I do a year. I don't necessarily like to change guitars or tune up in between songs when I'm on stage. And so uh, it's become just something that that I I feel comfortable having on the guitar. And I love the way it sounds. And, you know, I see a lot of people, um, different companies now that are, You know, when I first brought the idea up to Paul, Paul was like, this is kind of bizarre. He goes, I don't think anybody's going to like this. And um, I said, well, just build it for me then. I I know I'm going to like it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I've had a lot of people say that's, you know, it's crazy. But now I'm seeing, like, uh, Gretsch come with a semi hollow body, solid, down the middle, and they have a Bigsby on it. They haven't put a Floyd on it yet, but right. give them a few more months. Right on,
2: right on. And is this uh, the guitar you primarily used on the new Vortex album that is coming out June 22nd?
5: Yeah, I, I used um, all Paul Reeds. Uh, some were, a few songs were this guitar, a few were the 15-inch. I didn't have the actual 13-inch uh, that I have now. Um, I had some old ones, and I had some old McCarty's, and I used those, and then I also used uh, some custom strats that were made uh, for me by uh, Fender Luthiers at Fender Shop, Custom Shop, and those are solid mahogany all the way through the bottom. They're not bolt-on necks. They're they're my neck joint that I also had on the old Les Paul that they copied, and curly maple top.
2: Nice. And... This record that's coming out is, is kind of exciting for me personally because it's reuniting you in the recording studio at least with the one and only Steve Smith who played on so many classic songs with you through the years. How was it reconnecting with him and working with him again?
5: You know, I, um, I actually connected before this record a uh, few years back, I did The Calling with my other solo record uh, with Steve Smith and uh, it was the first time that we actually got together in years. And um, played together and created music together, and it was a wonderful experience because you know Steve is not only a great drummer, he is uh, he can envision. You know, we can sit and talk. I can bring in like a loop that I made at home. Basically, all these records were made from like a little. Line six looping machine, right, um, and a basic rhythm of tempo that I had in my head, and the closest I could get to rhythm, whatever I could find in the rhythm machine in there, and then just a riff, you know, and I would go in the studio with the looper, plug it into the board, and I'd go down, you know, the hundred ideas that were crammed on there, and I'd stop at fifty-six <laughs> or whatever idea right. I liked, and and we would, uh, you know, work on it for a while, and in the calling, what I did with Smith was. Um, we'd we'd pick a riff, a particular riff, and a rhythm that I liked, and I'd have him loop it for about eight bars, and then I'd tell him to go take a lunch break. <laughs> and, I, and I'd um like sit there and arrange it uh, and put it together with just basically rhythm guitar. Wow. And um, then Steve would come back, and he'd listen to it, and then he would write it out. He'd score it out, and then we'd sit down and we'd talk, and I'd go, okay, this section is going to be like a keyboard solo or or a heavier guitar solo here. So he's uh, actually gonna transcribing
2: be... stuff on paper? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he
5: writes oh. everything out. That's and so then and I say this is going to be like the biggest crescendo. We're going to build here. So while you're playing it, you know, imagine the rest of the band in there. And he would go out and just play it like one, two takes, and it just sounded amazing, you know. And um, some of the takes that we did uh, that the, where the ideas were a little bit more f- well-formed like on this record, uh, we just jammed. Cool. I just jammed, and I played a lot of live soloing, and without really knowing exactly what was going to go on in some of the other sections, and then just, you know, form fit it later in Pro Tools and wrote different sections at different times, and then move them together. Nice. And so, like, I've been in rehearsal with Omar because Steve was not available to play this show tonight at uh, for Les Paul's. 100th anniversary and so I got Omar Hakim and he put together a band of cats here in New York City that are just amazing right. and so it was my first experience of uh, You know p- trying to play any of this stuff from beginning to end and I was like oh my god There's a lot to remember <laughs> so I was glad that I had a couple days to rehearse Excellent
2: and there's a song on the record called miles beyond which is I guess a, a tribute to to miles Davis Uh, And I wanted to ask you, did you ever meet Miles Davis? Because I know you actually played on his wife's record a long, long time ago, right? Right, Betty I I did.
5: Yeah, the Betty Davis record. Um, I did that with Gregorico and Larry Graham from the Sly Stone Band. And that was a pretty funky record. But I did meet Miles uh, with a couple of the Santana guys, Carlos and, and Michael Carabello. And uh, it was one of his last concerts. I saw him at Berkeley Community Theater. Cool. And, uh, they, you know, he sounded like Miles. He's right. Amazing.
2: Great stuff. And you mentioned Carlos uh, Santana. And how did a 15-year-old kid end up in Carlos's band? I mean, he was a pretty major star already at that point. I mean, and you were really just, I mean, 15 years old. How, how did you get that gig?
5: You know, I, I really don't know. It, I was playing in a club with another band in the Bay Area. I lived at you know, in a little apartment with my folks at the time in San Mateo in the peninsula from San Francisco. And um, I was playing with the band I was in, which was called Old Davis. And uh, the bass player uh, in the band knew Greg, Raleigh, and Michael Shreve. So he invited them down. And they were hearing about me through the grapevine, come check this kid out. And, uh, you know, I had been playing a lot at Keystone Corner in San Francisco at Michael Bloomfield's old club with Elvin Bishop. Right. I managed to meet Elvin Bishop through a, a great friend of mine, uh, Jackie Villanueva, that, you know, was basically my chauffeur when I was <laughs> really that young. sticking taking me back and forth to the city to meet all these guys and so I could play. And, um, you know, it, it, I just, the word got out. Um, Greg and, and Michael Shreve came in one night. Uh, after we finished and a club owner let us close down the club and we played till like about five in the morning you know with nobody in there and then it was I proceeded to uh, be picked up by Greg every day you know at the high school I was sort of not going to at that (laughs) point I was playing a lot of guitar and and he would just uh pick me up and I'd go to his father's place and in uh san mateo or san bruno okay and he had a piano in there and we'd just sit there and, and jam and then pretty soon you know i was in a studio hanging with the guys just hanging and uh, while they were doing a braxis at wally hiders in san francisco and they'd you know set me up in a room off to the side with an amp and i just sat in there and listened to records and, and practice wow cool
2: great story great story the uh... I want to talk to you about some of your classic Journey songs and, and maybe hear some stories behind, behind those. But before we get into that, um, Bad English is a band you sold millions of records with back in the late 80s, early 90s. How do, you, how do you look back on that stage in your career and that band?
5: Well, you know, it was the 90s, and um, so there was a lot of hair going on. <laughs> uh, but, you know, all in all, I, when I hear that record, it kind of came out of nowhere. And at, the, at that point, I had just finished my first solo record, not the two previous ones that I did with Jan Hammer. Mm-hmm. There were co-solo you know, records, and I did my record Late Night, and I had Omar Akeem on it, uh, playing drums, and Randy Jackson playing bass, and uh, great musicians. Steve Smith played on a few. Um, and I was going to do my own thing at that point because Journey was on a long hiatus and I was getting in too much trouble. <laughs> so I was like, i got to get busy doing something you know, uh, positive here. And, and um, at that point, I was playing a one-off gig with some different guys and, and rehearsed in this little place, and I went down one day to pick up my, my gear that I left there and I heard this drummer just bombastically playing through the walls. And so I peeked in, you know, the door because I go, wow, this guy sounds really amazing. And it was Dean Castronova. Sure. And, Current drummer. Of Germany, you know, yeah. I met him and I just said, wow, who are you? Yeah. And he, he told me he was playing with Tony McAlpine at the time. And um, I said, here's my number. I said, I'm going to call you. Uh, give me your number. I said, I'm going to start something. I'd love for you to play drums. So Tony probably still hates me, but yeah. Dean had a good time, we had a good time. And uh, Dean called me, uh, long story short, uh, I got a call, uh, we were about to form the rest of the band, uh, and I got a call from Jonathan Candy. And he was down in Los Angeles with John Waite and Ricky Phillips, you know, uh, formerly of the Babies. And uh, Jonathan said, you know, we're putting together this band, would you like to come down and check it out? And I said, well, I just met this drummer dean and if i can bring him i'll come otherwise i'm going to hang with dean right because i thought that he was that strong you know of a player and i'm i'm a drum freak i i have yeah. to have good drums you know and so um we went down and we jammed for a day and it just kind of clicked so we said okay we're in you know i always loved john wait's voice and you know jonathan's always been a great songwriter uh, same with wait and and everybody else and so um we shortly went into the studio right after that we wrote for a little bit um we went into the studio down in los angeles i moved down there because the band was based out of there and we went in with richie zito and and pretty much knocked the record out in a couple of weeks yeah and um you know that was it
2: cool Cool. Well, Neil, um, it's great to hear some of the non-Journey stories from you. I really, really enjoy that. But when it comes to Journey, you've given us so many songs through the years that have just become the soundtrack of our lives. And I uh, just want to thank you for that. And thank you to you and your beautiful wife, Michaela, for coming into town for the thank Les Paul <laughs> 100th birthday. Ladies and gentlemen, Neil Sean. Thanks so much,
5: Neil. Yeah, thank you.
2: I could have went on for another. Uh, <laughs> we <We'll laughs> do it for another time. two hours. Yeah.
5: yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So okay.
1: We're, we're, so we're going
2: so. I don't. Probably about that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So folks, so I think we need
0: everybody to come now to slide out
4: this up so we can the awards. Organize, let the fans come in, get some tickets.
2: What you just heard was brand new, solo, Neil Sean, El Matador off the Vortex record. Pick that up on iTunes, go support Neil, buy that track on iTunes. A monster guitar player and just a really great guy. He and his wife were were a lot of fun to hang out with at the uh, Guitar Center in-store that he did. That's where we did the interview and also later at the Les Paul 100th birthday bash. A lot of great people at this show, uh, Mike. We had Steve Vai was there playing, Joe Satriani, Joe Bonamassa, and and uh, the classic rocker Steve Miller. It was, a, it was a good time. I wish you could have seen it.
3: All the greats, huh?
2: Yeah, some really great, great <laughs> players. I mean, just imagine Joe Bonamassa, Steve Vai, um, and... Joe Satriani and Steve Miller, and then the Saturday Night Live band, the old one with G.E. Smith, all on stage jamming together. It was just a real interesting mix of people, and it worked. It worked in a, in a, in a cool way, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, Emily and I got to go there and walk the red carpet and all that jazz, so a lot of fun. Um, hey, Mike, I want to turn you on. I don't know if you know this chick. Med, uh, her name is Madam Mayhem. You ever hear of her?
3: Well um I think I've heard that name once before for sure but I'm okay. not too filled in.
2: She's got a record coming out. She and Billy Sheehan is kind of producing and playing on the record with her and it's good, you know. And I got uh, some samples of the music here that I want to sample for the Talking Metal listeners and then I want to get into an interview with Mayhem herself here on Talking Metal. So right now this is a sound sample of the song Monster by Madam Mayhem followed by my interview with Madam Mayhem. Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the line we have Madam Mayhem. Mayhem, how are you?
0: How are you? How's it going?
2: It's going well. It's going well. I'm excited to talk to you because recently, Billy Sheehan told me about this record he was doing with you, and it just sounds incredible. I want to hear all about it, but let's first start off just talking about you and Your background, when did you get into music and when did you start playing with a band?
0: Well, I've been in music my entire life, I would say. Um, I started at a very, very young age, uh, singing, dancing, acting, all that fun stuff growing up. And the entire time, I just knew I wanted to be in a rock and roll band growing up. So, uh, yeah, I've been doing it for a very long time. And
2: were there certain... (laughs) artists or bands that you heard as a kid that kind of drew you to music?
0: Oh, there's so many. Um, It's actually funny because I think it really started when my mother started playing uh, grunge music in the car when I was a baby instead of, you know, the Raffi and Sesame Street that parents were playing their children. So um, at a very... Very early age. I just got into that scene as a very young child. And then, you know, just listening from there to heavier and heavier stuff. And it's been from everyone from Ozzy to, you know, just anything I could have gotten my hands on at the time was what I would listen to. And it was all very influential.
2: Cool. So your parents obviously like loud rock music. And were they encouraging when you kind of decided to make a career
0: of this? Well, they have been, well, to be honest, they've been really supportive. I'll say, I'll start right there. And I'm so appreciative for that. But um, starting out, I started in the musical theater world. So I would be dragging them to take me on auditions because I was too young to go by myself. And they always knew that I wanted to be a musician and and get on the road and tour and and play rock music and I think they just kind of gave in at some point and was like okay just do it be happy do your thing um you know they couldn't put up a fight anymore
2: cool and you have this record coming out which which Billy Shan and a lot of other people are involved with which we're going to talk about but at what point how, how do you get to this point? You, you know, you're in the studio with Billy Sheehan. You know, you're a kid who likes music, uh, you know, musical theater, but you're also into the rock stuff. What, what was the transition? Did you start playing in bands in New York City?
0: Well, um, I was always writing music, uh, always writing songs. Um, and I was actually down in Miami, uh, studying, studying music. And um decided it,
2: University of to- Miami?
0: yes, it is. It's the (laughs) U. And I studied music there. And um, I just started writing and decided that I wanted to graduate early and just get on the road and play. So I came back up north um, and just started writing work and, and through workshops and other things, I was able to meet a lot of great people that were already in the business. And there was definitely a lot of trial and error. But Uh, Through that, uh, somehow I managed to have some pretty amazing mentors along the way and finally was able to find my sound in the genre that I wanted to do it in.
2: And what would you describe that genre as? Hard rock, metal?
0: It's definitely hard rock and it kind of borders. I wouldn't call it completely metal because um, there's definitely a a hard rock aspect to it that's so strong. Um, But it's definitely teeters so that, cause I, I love both. I, lo- I love the whole thing as a whole and to incorporate both aspects, um, is something that I really wanted to try and do. And I think we were able to do it with this record actually.
2: Cool. And we'll start talking about the record in just one minute, but you mentioned some, some really great mentors. I think you said, uh, who, 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 who like who was really great, who was well, helping out?
0: Billy Sheehan, of course, um, him and his amazing wife have been like big brother and big sister to me, uh, for years now, even before we did this record. Um, uh, they're, they're just incredible. And even people uh, who I did my first record with, Mark Hudson has been a great mentor. Um, Rudy Sarzo. I mean, the list goes on and on and, and it's, it's just been great because these are people that have. Done so much and are still so humbled and willing to, you know, take these up and coming artists and give them as much advice as they can. And and that's really hard to see nowadays and for them to be so great with me. And I, I just I'm just so appreciative for that.
2: Cool. Yeah, Mark Hudson for the listeners, if if you don't know, he is just I mean, he's done work with everybody from George Harrison to you know Aerosmith he was once on the Joan Rivers show as her, her musical director I think he wrote Living on the Edge with, yep. with Steven Tyler and Joe Perry or maybe it was just Steven Tyler I'm not sure but yeah great guy I actually just saw him last week in oh nice in uh New York at the Les Paul 100th celebration so great guy so anyways the record is coming out at some point soon let's talk about the record what can we expect who's on the record with you
0: Well, in terms of who's on the record, um, I was very lucky to have some great talent on this, and um, I really have to thank Billy for that because we wrote together, and I also wrote with another amazing artist, Corey Lowry, who also plays bass. It's very bass-driven. And with the songs that Corey and I wrote and Billy and I wrote, we were able to put together an amazing project that Billy has produced, and he made some phone calls to some friends and said, hey, check out this stuff. Let me know if you're into it and uh, maybe if you're interested in playing on it. And I got some great people that were really into it. So I'm, I'm really fortunate for that. It's uh, Ray Lugier is On Drums. Awesome. Yeah, you got uh, Bumblefoot. Uh, playing some great solos Russ Parrish also playing some great guitar parts and then Corey Lowry of course and Billy Sheehan himself so uh, I'm just so happy about that I mean that's that's an all-star band I I would just love to tour with (laughs) yeah well
2: speaking of I mean those are just some incredible players that you just named there how how are you gonna handle this when it comes to doing live shows
0: Oh, well, we actually have a live show coming up next week. And uh, basically, you just got to find the musicians that can pull it off. You know, there's no there's no BS with this. Uh, it's it's good music. You know, you have to be able to play it. So you just got to find the guys that can play it. And that's that's the highest standard you could have. So luckily, we're finding that.
2: Cool. Cool. And I know the New York show is is next week, which unfortunately I'm going to miss because I'm out of town. But will there be shows outside of New York City? Are you planning anything like a tour or any other dates?
0: Yes, yes. We're actually uh, currently in the works of figuring out a tour to coincide with the release, uh, which we will hopefully have the final date of when that will be shortly. So stay tuned for that. It'll be really soon. Um, and we're in the process of putting it all together. And I would love to go out starting as early as the next few months in the fall and just get it out there. Cause I'm, I'm itching, I'm itching to play. Um, working in the studio has been an amazing experience this past year, but I haven't played as much live as I would have loved to. And that's my home for me is, is the stage and on the road. So I can't wait to get back out there.
2: Cool. And back, back to Billy and, and his wife, how did, again, how did you come in contact with him?
0: Um, I was already working on my first record with Mark actually. And um, he and Mark were doing um, a rock camp in LA. So I went to go uh, check it out and, and and be a part of it. And Billy and I ended up being paired up and, we got to play a little bit. He was musical directing the people in in our room, I guess. And he was just so great to work with. And I guess he liked how I conducted myself and how I was singing and was like, listen, let's talk more. And just through that, um, I was lucky enough that. They were there for me whenever I needed them, even in the first record, just for advice, dinners, conversation. And then we just started writing together when we were hanging out and decided to make an album out of it at the end.
2: Awesome stuff. I mean, Billy is just such an uh, amazing talent going all the way back to to the, the 70s with his band Talis. And uh, he was recently on Eddie Trunk's show and that metal show, and he revealed that... He was numerous times, two, maybe even three uh, times in history, was asked to join Van Halen, um, which is pretty amazing. Uh, What do you think about that? What do you know? Why he didn't actually join up with them?
0: No, I mean we haven't spoken about it. Um, I was in the room when he said it, and I was like, "Wow, I I didn't know it either." You know, I think he's just besides an amazing musician, he's just a great person. And I think he just genuinely, whatever the reason was, just, it, it didn't happen, right. but, but yeah. and it's cool enough to be asked, you know, that's just a great story to have. For
2: sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the one thing I thought was cool that he said is he was just such a fan of, of Van Halen, yeah. Michael, Alex, Eddie, and Dave that, that, you know, it sounds like there was, some hesitation there just because of that you know he just mm-hmm. loved those those four guys together all right well thank you so much for joining us and we're going to check out some madam mayhem music right now on talking metal this is a little music off the forthcoming Coming Soon album by Madam Mayhem. Does the album have a name
0: yet? Yes, it does. It's going to be called Now You Know.
2: Now You Know. Excellent. So this is some music off of Now You Know. And before we get into it, where is the best place that the Talking Metal listeners can get in touch with you online?
0: Well, you can visit MadamMayhem.com. That's Madam with an E at the end. Uh, I also do all my own social media, so Facebook.com backslash madam mayhem or mayhem official on twitter um youtube wherever if you send out a message it's me who's going to be reading it so i can't wait to hear from everyone
2: excellent and now we're going to get into a little new music by madam mayhem and we'll have all those links up in today's show notes guys on talkingmetal.com just heard was my interview with madam mayhem and that song right there coming out of the interview is called something better it's off the uh, the new record that she has coming out the new album which i believe is called now you know so stay tuned for that hopefully we'll get our hands on that soon and we're going to end today's show with an interview with dario from black label society do you know anything about this guy mike he's like a, a new guy to the black label fold
3: yeah, he's the new guy. Um, I well, I, I do know Dario, um, not personally, but I know I know of him. I know that um, he uh, he play he he's from LA, and I and I think he he played with Lizzie Borden for a long time. Correct, correct. Um, and then he did a solo record, which I haven't heard, but I'm sure it's on Shrapnel. So I don't think there's ever been a bad guitar player who's been yeah <laughs> released yep. a label um needless to say i'm sure that the do shreds and uh yeah it's cool you know what i um when i when i played at the uh motorboat uh last september mario was already jamming with zach so i saw him there what
2: was he okay cool yeah cool.
3: so yeah it's cool I'm very happy for him. i'm sure it's cool
2: yeah absolutely so right now let's get into that interview and we will come back and talk some more with metal mike Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we have Dario Larina on the line from Black Label Society. How are you, Dario?
1: Hey, Mark. I'm doing good. How are
2: you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. There's a lot to talk to you about, but I first want to get into this CD you have out. Your your solo CD has sent some of the tracks. It, it sounds great. It's coming out, or it's out, right, on Shrapnel.
1: Yeah, it's out. It's been out, uh, it's been out I guess, a couple of years now, 2013.
2: Excellent. Well, this is—I hate to say—but say it—but say it, this is the first time I became aware of it. Was was recently, and uh, just yeah, ups- yeah,
1: all good. As long as you're uh, you're wherever now, it's
2: cool. Yeah. Well, I am, and, and some great stuff. We're gonna we're gonna hear a track off it in in just a, a few minutes here. But um, let, let's talk about Shrapnel Records and just the incredible history that 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 label has. Um, were you a fan of a lot of those guitar players when you were learning to play?
1: Oh, definitely at you know like i mean you know as i as i progressed as as a guitar player you know playing like lead guitar and getting into you know guys like you know you know Ingve and Lynch you know a lot of these guys that i was into was was a a of, of shrapnel at a, you know at some point in their career so it was always something that i had wanted to do was put an instrumental album out with shrapnel um and you know i had known mike Varney for uh for m- many years before we we worked together. Um, you know, I first met him when I was really young, like 15, 16, I was playing with Jamie Lane and, uh, you know, so him and I connected and, you know, we just kept in touch. And then the time came when we were able to do this together. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was definitely a fan of like, you know, I went through, you know, all my, all my years of coming up as a guitar player, you know, I kind of went through phases of guys I was really into at that, at that certain time, but definitely into Yngwie. I loved Richie Carson. Um, you know, Lynch is one of my main guys. So, Sure, loved all those guys. Cool.
2: Now you mentioned Janie Lane and you did some touring with him and did you record
1: with him too? Uh, no no, we never recorded. Uh, but we did tour for two years.
2: Cool. And you were just like a teenager when you were doing that tour, right?
1: Yeah, I was I was sixteen, um, when I saw this ad on back in the MySpace days that Janie was looking for a guitar player and I was like, you know, I didn't think of myself as anything else. I just knew I was going to play music and be a guitar player. So I sent like, I don't know, a, t- a ton of the same emails to this email address, so it'd be, I'd be sure it was in the top of their inbox. And I got a call back, and you know, ended up going out to LA and hooking up with him. And we we just jammed in the rehearsal studio, and he played drums, and and uh, we just jammed with some Warren songs. And yeah, everything worked out, worked cool. out good. And yeah, we started touring a few months after that.
2: Cool. Cool, yeah, we definitely miss Janie, but um, you it, moved oh, on. Yeah, you moved on from there to Lizzie Borden, correct? Yep, yep. Another kind of classic metal legend, if if you will. Um, were you aware, being that you're so much younger? I mean, to me, like when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I'm an old guy, 45 years old, but when I was a teenager, is when I was into Lizzie Borden. So, how much uh, awareness did you have of Lizzie Borden? For joining forces with him,
1: um, I mean a little bit, but not you know it wasn't extensive. Um, and then uh, you know when I got the, a call about hey you know I, I got a call from Ryan Anderson who plays bass with Lizzie, and it was like we're looking for a guitar player, and we you know we had a mutual friend, and that's how we got my my info. And you know I, I heard of Lizzie Borden and you know like Me Against the World, just you know videos online, and uh, but I didn't know the you know the extent of it. of their catalog so when i got into it some of the stuff is really killer you know a lot of it is really awesome and especially like i really was uh a fan of that newest stuff like appointment with death was really heavy and i was i was really into that so i was excited to uh you know get that opportunity to play with them and lizzie you know as a performer and his whole this whole vibe is is just a cool it's very different you know the show is very different a lot of the music and you know, he does a lot of this choreography stuff and uh, theatrics, so it was a
2: lot of fun. And you're now, of course, playing in Black Label Society with, with Zach Wild. How did you score that gig? It seems like uh, just a, a, a dream gig. I mean, he's one of the, the, the hard gods who's still out there doing it, and, and such a enormous following. Every time I, I either interview Zach or, or do something with him, I'm just blown away by the the views we get on YouTube, the downloads we get on the podcast. How did you, how did you end up hooking up with Zach?
1: Um, I was uh, I was in, I knew Blasco who manages Black Label um, for just for a couple of years, and I, I had contacted him a couple of weeks before, like the opportunity for to be in Black Label even came up or you know was known about, and I, I was in contact with him about this CD that you have, which you're going to play a couple of songs, right? Um, so. Yeah, it was just like, you know, the timing The timing was perfect. I hit him up about maybe trying to do some stuff with the CD, and then, uh, you know, it was just, the, the timing just fell right into place. A couple of weeks later, this came up, he hit me up. I hit him up, he got back to me, and just kind of went from there, pretty much.
2: Cool. And was it like, was he auditioning a lot of different guys, or did did you kind of just... Um,
1: I, I don't really know the extent, you know, I'm sure there was a handful of guys that, you know, that maybe that they had in mind. I don't really know, but... Um, I was, you know,
2: just lucky enough. Cool. And, you know, Black Label is one thing I do know about their fans. are, They're, they're definitely a, a hardcore bunch of, of guys who just live and breathe the Black Label stuff. Were you nervous going into the, the band? Like, hey, are they going to accept me? Uh, or, or did you kind of just feel that they would being that, you know, you had Zach's blessing?
1: Um, you know i mean it didn't really i didn't really give that too much thought um, because at that time there was so much on my mind but you know right off the bat it was very uh, it was a very warm welcome you know within the first you know the first few minutes and hours that it was announced online everybody seemed to be really welcoming so i was comfortable comfortable right from the beginning
2: awesome and let's talk about gear what kind of gear do you play with guitars. Um, well but... I play
1: I play lag guitars and I've played them for many years. I, I, I mean when I first started touring with Janie, which is when I first started touring at all, um, I was playing uh, you know, my Gibson let's paul and then I, I discovered lag when I was at a uh, music convention called Music Major over in Frankfurt, Germany. And I played them I've been playing lag ever since. Um, just absolutely beautiful guitars and the team of people that is involved with lag and uh and album which is their distribution company as uh you know they're very wonderful people to work with and uh the guitars just speak for themselves
2: and are you uh running different tunings on different guitars
1: yeah we have well with black label is basically like uh well it's we have four different tunings but we are mainly tuned to full step down and then from there we either go you know drop d or drop b and then we have standard tuning Ah, so okay when when i'm switching to space for tuning
2: so there's some black label songs that are actually in standard tuning
1: yeah like uh when we do the piano songs we play in standard oh that's interesting yep
2: and what about um locking trims are you doing floyd roses and stuff like
1: that or what kind i have floyds on most of mine i just like feel with Floyd's and uh, it's always you know it's always something that I was playing. Um, so yeah th- th- a lot of them are on mine Zach plays I think uh, he plays a few times throughout the show like on a solo. Um, he plays his V with the, with the Floyd on there.
2: Right on And as far as amplifiers go, are you uh, a Marshall guy?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, with Zach we play 800 so I have an 800 here at my at my house in my studio. Um you know I, I love fifty one fifties because I was a big van Halen guy yeah, um so that's that's what I have I have fifty one fifties and nostrils yeah so you can't go wrong
2: cool and I'm always curious about string gauge what what gauge string do you use because sometimes on these lower tunings, it seems like you need a little thicker gauge, especially for the bass strings
1: yeah, definitely um well, I play tens um ten through forty six and then um, like the drop B, um, Stevie, I think he puts like uh, the tech. I think he puts like maybe sixty on there for the drop B, and then uh, other than that, I'm ten through forty six. Even for the full step down, like drop D, I still have forty six on there. Cool. Now That's on the low string, right? Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, now,
2: when it comes to guitar players who influenced you, obviously, you know, I'm sure you know Randy Rhodes paul gilbert george lynch and van halen people like that but outside of the hard rock and heavy metal spectrum what guitar Mm -hmm. players do you really respect are there blues guys you really love are there you know classical guys you really love country players outside of heavy metal and hard rock what guitar players are your favorites
1: um outside of heavy metal i mean as far as blues guys johnny winter was uh i listened to a lot of johnny um but, I mean you know it's all pretty much in that in that area of rock blues metal you know right I mean um, I, I haven't really I never really got outside into the classical stuff yet and still until I you know hang with Zach you know he's, he's taught me a lot about like Al Deiola and uh, and uh, you know it's like it's funny because you know I'll, I'll think of like John Petrucci who I loved um, or Paul Gilbert and when I would watch their instructional videos, they would they would mention like you know they would mention Al Di but I, I didn't go back to listen to Di Miola until you know me and Zach be hanging, and we would, you know he'd be playing, you know there'd be Al Di playing, I'd be like wow that's cool. So right you know, now I've been getting into, getting into some of that stuff,
2: some more like jazz fusiony type stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: Cool. And do you like do you play jazz at all? Have you studied it at all?
1: Uh, not really. You know I I. I kind I jam around with it here and there. Um, I've been really getting into like lately, like Guthrie Govan, which who's amazing. Um, So trying to teach myself some of that.
2: Cool. And where are you from originally?
1: I'm from Boston originally. I live in Vegas.
2: Oh, okay. Cool. Vegas. It seems it seems like there's quite a big music scene happening in Vegas now. Is that true?
1: Yeah. Like over the past couple of years, it just seems like it's uh, it's expanded. From what it was, I mean, it had a really cool, like tight-knit little local scene. Um, I mean, I moved here when I was I was 12, so you know, coming up in those years, it was definitely a, it had its own little thing. But now, a lot of guys from LA have moved here, and it's just it's taken on this whole just uh, taken on this whole momentum, which is really cool. Cool.
2: Now, the last Black Label record was Catacombs of the Black Vatican. Were you involved with that record at all?
1: Uh, I came in. I came in after it was already done
2: cool. what are some of your yep. favorite black label songs to play live
1: um, I love playing Funeral Bell, it's heavy, that's a drop B song and uh, that's definitely one of my favorites um, I like playing uh, I like playing Overlord uh, Beginning at Last is a lot of fun to play, we've been opening with that My Dying Time, which is off catacombs that's killer uh, Damn the Floods, that's off catacombs too that's a lot of fun
2: Awesome, cool. Well, Dario, it's been great getting to know you on Talking Metal. Is there anything else you want to plug while we have you here?
1: Uh, just check me out online. My website's DarioLarita.com.
2: Cool. We will link that, guys, through today's show notes. And right now, we're going to get into a track called "Demon Rum." Any uh, any story behind this?
1: Um. Well, like the, the the theme riff, the main riff of the song is uh, I, I lay it a bunch of boxes high octaves, low octaves, use the pedal to try to get it to sound as, like, demonic as possible. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a fine it's burner. It's a lot of fun.
2: Cool, Excellent. This is Demon Run here on Talking Metal. just heard was Demon Rum off of Dario's shrapnel release, self-titled release. Check that out. We'll have it linked in today's show notes. Mike, it's been great talking with you on the podcast today. And, I, I you know, I was a big fan of that album you put out. Uh, I think, was it two years ago at this point? The Metal Worker?
3: Yeah, about two years. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Good stuff. Any plans uh, to do new new music? I know you got so much going on with the guitar uh world column that you put out which is a great column that all the readers should should read and and especially the guitar players and you know you're busy with the camp and you did this great record last year with with mike from symphony x but any any plans for another metal mic record
3: you know i i um i might do it um i did i did the metal worker um he was he was half vocal and half Instrumental, and I wanted to do the instrumental stuff in order so I could I could use the material for clinics and workshops. You know, right? Yep. Um, so building up the Metal Heroes Academy kind of takes a lot of my time um, creatively, and you know, in, in, and you know, um, not to jump around your question, but you know, I I did like I did those Randy road remembered shows recently. Yeah. So Which
2: I is, saw you. That's a, that's actually what spawned you coming on the show today. We uh,
3: <laughs> we didn't get a chance to to, uh, to talk that much that day, so, so actually yeah, that probably for the better that we get to hang, man. So I I'll, I more than likely will probably do another record, and um, and then strangely enough, it's been to to this year's the tenth year anniversary of the Payne Museum Medal for Life record. Oh wow! And. Um, now I don't know if it's nostalgic or people finally caught caught around to it, um, but I've been getting unusual amount of emails about people asking about a pay museum record. So really, yeah, it's strange. Like a
2: reissue or, or a I'll new just one.
3: Do a new record? Oh, nice. And I'm not sure. I, I don't know what I'm going. to... You're gonna thinking th- about it though. Yeah, you know, when that record came out, it was um there I say slightly ahead of its time because if you think about two thousand five styles weren't really mixed that that much uh, for you for US audience. It was right. You were you would either demo a warrior or man of war. You know, yeah right, right in between. So people kinda caught up to that sound which happened to happen ten years later. So who knows, man, we'll see.
2: Cool. Cool. That's exciting. I hope uh, I hope that materializes. And uh, again tell us where the best place to learn about the the camp is
3: so the so the camp uh, again takes place in august 24th to 28th at full moon resort and the best way to get a hold of all the information and potentially even sign up is at metal heroes com. cool
2: mike thanks so much for doing this uh thanks,
3: Mark.
2: can't wait till i you know, my kids turn 12, I'm going to send them to the camp. (laughs) I'm going
3: to have to, I think, I think, uh, you know, it's funny because uh, haven't you done some music metal rock history class somewhere?
2: Yeah. Well, I did. Yeah. At the school of rock in Montclair, actually, I I did uh, a Metallica class there, um, which was a lot of fun, a lot of fun just kind of talking about the history of Metallica and, weaving that story for the the students who were too young to experience it in person like i did you know, so yeah we're, yeah
3: we're gonna have to uh we're gonna have to employ you <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Somehow I, I, get you get you out to the camp maybe next year to do some sort of a metal metal history class or something
2: oh that would be a lot of fun i'm serious i would love to do that it's if you want to if you want to talk yeah. about that yeah it would be a lot of fun, Mike. Thanks so much, and uh, we appreciate you checking in with us here and co-hosting this episode. And we will uh, we'll talk to you soon.
3: Sweet, Mark. Thank you very much. You got you guys rock, and uh, just just an honor to be uh, uh, talking to you guys and your audience. Thank you.
2: You bet. This is M is for Metal off the Metal Worker record by Metal Mike Check Here on Talking Metal, go support Metal Mike by downloading this track on iTunes.